content of this episode is a product of the NATO Command and Control Center of Excellence. The views and ideas presented do not necessarily represent the opinions or policies of NATO and is only reflective of the independent perspective of the NATO Command and Control Center of Excellence. The content presented is not classified and therefore is releasable via open source means. Welcome to a special bonus production from the NATO Command and Control Center of Excellence. Today's episode is a bit of a departure from the C2M Beyond podcast due to its subject matter, but we think it represents an important construct in the world of command and control, media strategy. While this episode may be outside the normal realm of C2, we hope that you gain a new perspective on media strategies and ultimately enjoy the content of today's episodes. For more content, like what you hear today, please visit c2coe.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you and enjoy the show. Was it COVID-19 that kind of bore out this concept? The pandemic didn't start the change, but it accelerated it. Welcome all to the C2 and Beyond podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Adrian Granio, a staff officer here at the NATO Command and Control Center of Excellence. And today, to close out the first season of the C2 and Beyond podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest and the man who makes all the magic behind scenes happen for this, this production, Mr. Max van der Rijn. Welcome, Max. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, Adrian, and thank you for these flattering words. Yeah, and, and uh, for a lot of people, I think this is a very new concept, especially as it pertains to NATO and the military. But um, before we actually jump into the meat of our our discussion and why exactly we're having here, can you first just introduce yourself and give the audience an idea of Max van Rijn? Yes, of course, of course. Uh, well, um, I'm uh, Max van Rijn. I'm uh, 30 years of age, and uh, I work also at the NATO Command and Control Center of Excellence as a communications officer and public affairs officers, officer. Um, now already almost for two years. Time goes quickly, I have to say. And um, yeah, m- my responsibility goes from uh, what I said, the public affairs to public information um, and also to creating new content for the center to uh, a to boost the image of the center, of course, but also to to give traction to the actual products that we have, which are the studies, etc, etc. So uh, in short, uh, I am now a civilian, but I have a military background. I started in 2010 at the Royal Military Academy in the Netherlands. Um, at the Air Force. Uh, I left it in 2016. Afterwards, I started uh, studying international relations uh, with a specialization on military communications and security at the Rijksuniversiteit Groningen in the north of the Netherlands. Um, And during that time, I was always interested in, of course, communications, uh, rhetoric in uh, in specific. but I also had a small company in graphic design, most of them uh, print and digital, which I'm doing still besides uh, a little bit, but my main job right now is working for the center of excellence. And uh, I really like it because it honestly, it combines the best of both worlds. It combines my intrinsic motivation uh, for the military, 
of course. It's an international position. That's why I really like talking to you. It's a Dutch-American collaboration. Um, and of course, I can still do something with my, uh, with my graphic design skills, which I really, really like. So that's a short introduction about me. Thank you for that, uh, Adrian. Yeah, of course. So I, th I think that definitely gives us a, a great place to start from. So one of the unique things that I think a lot of people immediately notice, uh, about, especially about the Center of Excellence, is we do have a very active social media presence. I'm interested to get your take on how you go about marketing a place like the C2 Center of Excellence, given that it is a military organization. And I guess from your personal experience, how that might intrinsically differ from just a normal civil sector organization? Oh, well, that is actually a, a quite a good question because that was what, what I was questioning myself before coming to the center. Um, normally, when using marketing, etc., you can measure marketing by, by numbers, by uh, how many products you sold or, um, but doing the, yeah, you can say marketing public affairs for a center of excellence like like ours, um, is something totally different because you're not really selling a product in the big numbers. You're working in a niche. Um, so that's hard. So also, if you take a look on our social media channels, like uh, we now have Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, um, and we are registered to all the others, but I will come back to that. Um, and of course, nowadays we use YouTube also uh, quite well. Um, if a big company looks at our numbers, they say, well, those are rookie numbers. Those are nothing. But because we are command and control center of excellence, the C2, um, although it's, it's a very common, it's a very common definition. Everybody uses it. Everybody knows it within the center. The amount of academics that are working with C2 and that are researching C2 is relatively small. So numbers don't always say something, and especially not uh, not within a military context, and especially not within NATO. So you have the big target group, target audience, and you you have to narrow it down every time, every time. And that's the most important thing that I've learned when I when I started here is, um, of course, you start you can use social media straight away by by sending out how great it is and how cool it is. Also works, maybe gives some followers, but again, followers are not everything. It's not about the amount of followers, it's about what you want to want to say, what, what is the goal behind it? What is the strategy behind it? And that diverse quite a lot uh, in comparison to the, uh, to the civil world, to say, to say it like that. So it is interesting. Is it hard? Um, yes, it is also hard because it's, it's, it's unknown territory for, for many. Of course, you can use literature um, that you learn on school and on university, but you always have to adapt. Um, the military is known for its it, it fast adaptiveness. Um, and also with this, you, you really have to adapt uh, sometimes. And one a great example, for example, is this podcast that we're recording right now. Maybe the numbers are not that high, but if we can reach with the podcast uh, the right persons, then um, our goal is, is, is reached. And, and yeah, that's hard, De defining a goal, defining a target audience, defining a target market, and uh, defining a strategy that you have to follow. And so, I mean, it sounds like essentially what you're describing is your strategy as a public affairs officer is less reaching the most amount of people, but reaching the right people. 
Is that correct? Yes, yes, that is uh, that is correct. I, I sometimes make the, uh, the not, not a, a joke, but um, the saying that uh, you, it's better to, uh, if you're a marketing strategist for a Rolex, it's sometimes it's better to market, to reach a thousand people in a rich country than a million in a uh, less rich country, for example. And that's exactly what we are. We have to do it well. It's not about the amount. It's about the people, about the stakeholders of the center. So, and that's where stakeholder analysis, et cetera, that you've learned, uh, that everybody with a little bit of communication background learned is, uh, is very important to divine. Yes. And so, I mean, kind of looking at this, reaching the right audience and being um, careful with the sort of information that you're putting out as a C2 subject matter expert, I'm interested, since you are dealing in the military sphere, is there an issue at all about that information potentially being classified and thus being, I guess, uninteresting to your audience if, if it's a lower classification than the stuff that they might actually care about? Or is that something that the center is able to get past? Yeah, that, that's quite funny because uh, as, you, um, as you mentioned, um, my one of my, my roles is the public information, which is public, but a secondary role is also simply uh, information sharing. So then you can change public to confidential or, or something. Um, we have different channels to reach the right to the, the right people. You, uh, we have, of course, a public information strategy, but we also have something that we cannot share within the public, but we still have to get momentum for those, for example, articles or, or, or publications that we produce, but we cannot simply share them in public. Um, does that change my job? Um, no, not really. It changes the, the channels that we're using. Um, we cannot use the social media, for example, to, uh, to, to share our knowledge. What we can share, though, is that we have something new, but we cannot share it with everyone because it has a certain classification so yes classification plays a role everything you will see on on um, on our social media like this podcast is all and not even NATO unclassified it's just open because even NATO unclassified is a classification that we cannot simply share also the webinar that we're having well actually right now the, the moment of recording it's the it's the final day uh, we had to I had to make sure that all the presentations uh, are they have no classification whatsoever. Also, during the discussion, I'm constantly at the button, at the mute button. If there is some uh, classified stuff, let's say like that, shared, then we have to cut it off, and we have to uh, make sure that um, that we're not spreading out classified uh, information. Um, with a seminar, of course, it's it's sometimes a little bit hard because you're really trying to check everyone who is uh, who who registered, but. You have to watch out. So yes, uh, classification, it's not an issue. It's something that you have to take care of. Does it change my job? Very little, but uh, it's easy easy to cope with. So no, that's a really good point that you made with regard to classification. Um, I kind of want to pivot though uh, and ask about just really this podcast in, in particular. With this being a relatively new medium, especially for centers of excellence and military organizations as a whole. Was it COVID-19 that kind of bore out this concept or was this something that was happening beforehand, before this pandemic actually uh, really altered our life? 
Well, the, um, the pandemic didn't start the change, but it accelerated it. Um, for example, that podcast, yeah. I saw so many opportunities to make the center better. Um, I saw they were fo mostly focused on uh, written material. And then it was hard to get that written material to the, to the right person. And also written material, it takes a lot of time. This podcast, we're sitting in for an hour and maybe we shortened it a little bit then. Um, creating something like this also doesn't take as much time as um, as writing a, a whole article. Of course, you're not only looking at the quantity of, of, uh, uh, of products, but also at the quality of products. But it, it, it helps a relatively small center to, to have more products, but also to have more information because that's what you are. You're a knowledge center. You're here to share information. You're, sh you're here to, to share academic knowledge about C2 uh, and non-academic knowledge about C2. So what I see within NATO, and you see that in many, many larger organizations, is that change goes very slowly. For example, um, the favorite or least favorite piece of software everybody knows everybody uses but everybody also hates a little bit microsoft powerpoint was introduced in what was it 94 95 or something yeah and and back then it was it was amazing you can have small animations you can have word art i don't know if you still remember that although it was ugly everybody used it because it was new and I have to say, I don't know the listeners who work for a military, I think they still use it uh, quite often. Um, but what did it change in the last, well, 25 years? It didn't change that much. Uh, because why should you change a winning team if it works? Let's, let's go for it. And sometimes you see that in doctrine as well. Uh, doctrine is, is ever evolving, but it, it takes a while to get things changed. It's not like... Um, Yes, of course, military organizations, they are flexible, etc. But getting something done in the long term is sometimes very hard, also within NATO. Um, and that's what you, you saw here at the center as well. Uh, yeah, we, we had these, these publications. Why should we change it? It works for us right now. Look, we, we are still here and, and we are doing our job. And there I was like, okay, yes, that's, 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 that's cool chariots and horses also worked until there was the car and everybody didn't trust it the car because yes it can fail but now we also don't see chariots and horses anymore so sometimes you have to change you really have to change and um, when i started here i saw those 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 things like we can change over there 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 we can become better we can become younger to say it, say it like that. You're also one of the younger staff officers here. So you understand a little bit. And of course, uh, podcasts are now hot and also, especially in a hot topic. And especially in America, I read that 70% of the Americans know how to to listen to podcasts and 50% and or something are actively listening. Th those are big numbers. So there is a market for it, but getting that change within the center was, 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 was hard. But that's it with, with people. Once they see the added value to it, they're willing to change. And that's what COVID accelerated. Um, what the audience doesn't know is that I'm sitting in the office, but you are, Adrian, you're sitting at home. We are recording this uh, on distance, but you don't hear that from the quality. Um, that is something that, that COVID accelerated. 
for example. We're using Microsoft Teams for this recording. Within our center, before COVID, uh, it was all focused on let's sit together, let's talk together, um, because that's also where trust is built, um, especially at, uh, excuse my friends, and sorry if I now... Uh, now hurt people, the elder generation, it's about meeting each other in physical form, where most of them, the younger generation, they are known to to never meet each other. Uh, I always like to talk about my hobby, which is sim racing, so simulator racing online. And the friends that I, that I, that I have over there, I never e even met them, even though they live a couple of blocks away. Um, but I trust them. I think building trust uh, on the digital field by using this bar example that really accelerated during um, during COVID. I think uh, working together uh, um, accelerated digitally, and there is not always a need to physically physical see each other due to the technical improvements of the last couple of years. You're, I always say I'm a, I'm a hobby photographer, and the best camera is always is your phone because it's always in your pocket. Your phone is, is your greatest friend, also your greatest enemy, because you're, uh, they, everybody can always reach you. Um, but that piece of tech really changed everything also uh, for the center of excellence in, uh, in the way of working. So, so yes, that's actually a long question, a long answer, which can also be shortened. Uh, COVID didn't start it, it accelerated the whole process. And, and so, I know that this center isn't going to be the first to experiment with not new forms of media, but I guess um, unexpected or at least a bit more dynamic forms of media, something that might be more common in, say, the civil world. I'm interested just from, because I know you do keep in touch with not just centers of excellences, but uh, places like the Joint Warfare Center, other negative organizations, and you do kind of keep your finger on the pulse of what they're doing to adapt to this new environment. What what kind of other things are you seeing in terms of media strategy and disseminating the information that's important to them? Oh, that, 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 that actually, actually, you're... you're um you're pointing towards something very interesting. Um, our colleagues at Joint Warfare Center, um, they, their media department is, is, is well organized and I have respect for the, uh, for, the POW, uh, for the public affairs officer and the media officers at Joint Warfare Center because they're doing a great job. And why are they doing a great job? Because they're also willing to, to use uh, new methods of, of, of sharing and Putting information forward, they have a, a a glossy magazine which I have never seen somewhere else. For example, that's something very interesting. Um, they use a lot of video. YouTube is now a, a big thing, um, but video is are becoming more and more um, important. I also I really like video, not because I dislike reading, but video is um, although it's very old, it's a medium that that can condense a lot of information where you can condense a lot of information in a short amount of time. Um, and what we see now and what studies also show is that the attention span of the younger generation is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Uh, the fact that we this podcast is 50 minutes long is actually an exception, um, podcast as, as, uh, as a whole, because... Um, Although videos become shorter and shorter and shorter, look at YouTube, 10 minutes, 15 minutes maximum. Uh, podcasts, they can stretch a while because 
It's a different way of experience media. And that's what I really like. When I look at the future, do I see more changes? Yeah, well, what I said, I uh, seminars and webinars, I see the amount of seminars going down and the amount of webinars going up. But what I really would like to see is a mix of those things, like a hybrid seminar or a webinar, where you have a physical seminar, um, where the main focus is, is, of course, getting the presentations and getting the discussion, but also um, getting discussion when the camera are out and having that network building because that's what you see what you see right now is not really the case um, so it sounds like I mean really what you're describing though is this, this relationship where technology supplements and supports human interaction yes where you're not necessarily trying to replace the, the the human contact and being able to network in person you're just trying to you know like you have said repeatedly to give added value, am I correct in that? Oh yes, you're fully correct. You're fully correct. Uh, technology will never replace; it will enhance uh, the way we work. We're work, we work right now. Some things might get replaced, but it will never replace it fully. So yes. And so, kind of looking at that added value and the benefit to um, mm-hmm. to military organization like Center of Excellence. I think it's important for our viewers, our listeners who aren't aware of the role of a center of excellence, that center of excellences exist on the edge of NATO. We are not a quote unquote war fighting organization. We are more of a military think tank um, who happens to specialize in command and control. With that being said, do you think there is a pathway for public affairs like you've instituted here at the Center of Excellence to also be seen in more traditional um, organizations and units like an operational staff or even a tactical level unit? Do you see that actually being translatable or is that something where you start to transition into STRATCOM and it becomes a bit muddier? Uh, Well, actually, that's quite an interesting question because, yes, we are um, with one foot into the military and with one the other foot uh, outside of it. Uh, that's why you are walking into in a BDU uniform, military uniform, and I'm uh, I'm civilian, um, and nobody can steer us whatsoever. But I indeed think that some 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 aspects of of how we were right now can be transferred also into the military life and to onto battalions, for example, like the use of media. Um, I see already see that in the Netherlands and uh, especially in the United States. I see that a lot. Um, that also battalions they have their own media and not maybe public affairs um, department, but maybe some sort of communication department because communication is not only public affairs. It can, for example, also be. Um, when uh, a carrier is on a mission uh, abroad uh, to inform the the home front um actually i'm not sure how the um, if the americans do that already but i think so is that true yes yeah so um part of my background i've actually been stationed on a on an aircraft carrier before if you understand the way aircraft carriers work as much as they are the ability to fire in a fighter jet, <laughs> they are also a projection of power. They are an instrument used to project power across the world because it is a, a, a movable and a, a, strate- a strategic prepositioning of um, military assets. But you know, public affair working into that is we're here, and it might be somewhere that we haven't been in a long time, but it might be something that's 
politically and uh, from a foreign policy standpoint, it might be very advantageous to project we are able to get to these places. And there you immediately are on the brink of, of, of having the public affairs becoming stratcom. And um, because if, you're, if it's a show of force, it's, it's fully stratcom because your adversaries, they, they will react to that. That is um, where what's not my work. I'm not uh, into stratcom. I went to, a, um, to a, a conference about stratcom and I really found out that I am more... My work is more focused on the, the civilian part of, of marketing and public affairs and not really on the stratcom. But yes, indeed, for a, a battalion or something, it, it can that, 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 that line in between can sometimes be very thin. Um, so yes, it's, it's, that, that's the interesting part of it. Um, you always have to, as we say in Dutch, you have to, to color within the lines of what's acceptable. And that's what we're doing right now. I never, I've, I'm not allowed and I will never cross the line the mo when it becomes Stratcom. Because again, although we are a NATO center of excellence, I'm not speaking in the name of NATO. We are not speaking in the name of NATO. We advise NATO, but we are not NATO. You are, um, of course, all the center members are part of NATO, and they're, but they're paid by their own countries, just to say it like that. Um, and that makes it interesting. That makes it interesting to not speak as NATO, but really as a center of excellence. And that's where public affairs really, you have to be sharp sometimes, for example, at the seminar. Um, that's why I'm constantly saying that we are a NATO command and control center of excellence and uh, our opinion uh, is ours. Um, but that has to make that, that, that has to be clear, yes, and uh, that that makes it interesting. So again, can it be translated to um, to the military world? Some parts, but you have to watch out that you don't strand into becoming stratcom. And it, it sounds like your role in this is you're essentially creating the product, the the thing that interfaces with the outside world, but it's really dependent on a commander at any level to kind of yes. decide how they wield that public information tool. And that's where they're the ones really kind of driving um, what becomes strategic communication advice, just this is what we're doing. Yes, actually, that, that is true. What the audience is, uh, see, is seeing from uh, our center, there's much more that we make, but um, I'm not the one who decides in the end. Uh, that's why I'm also I'm a communication advisor. Uh, in the end, it's always the commander that 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 that, that makes the decisions um, decisions in this, and also here at the center. Um, so yes, um, yeah. Uh, so you know, kind of transitioning back to NATO and looking at just NATO as a whole. What I guess in terms of media strategies, do you think just the military and our allies? What do you think we're doing well in terms of the media strategy aspect? And what do you think we could do better at? Yeah, of course, there again, we come back onto what is Stratcom and what is uh, public public affairs, public media. I I don't want to go into really the Stratcom part because that's that's not my... Um, um, a, that, that that's not my job and that's not my expertise. But when I now 
uh, graphic designer in me comes in and uh, what I really like about NATO is how they're doing right now is um, everything they produce and they make is professional. If you look uh, yesterday or two days ago, there was the Youth Summit, uh, a webinar or seminar turned into a webinar and that was absolutely perfect. Um, what they're also doing uh, quite well, uh, besides of course making look everything perfect, is that they're um, focusing on a new way of marketing uh, or to make NATO sexy again to say maybe it sounds strange but um until a couple of years ago uh also within the netherlands there were there were sounds heard like why do we have the nato should we still stay in the nato shouldn't we find something else um but of course i'm a little bit biased in that the nato has its purpose and sometimes it's hard to convey uh the public about it, especially younger ones who never experienced wars outside of Call of Duty and, uh, and other computer games, um, where you can respawn. It's not the case. War is not nice. Um, it's interesting, though, uh, but it's not nice. Um, and uh, so making NATO sexy again, make it, it, making it um, relevant again, it is relevant, but also making the the opinions about irrelevant again. That's what I think is NATO is doing quite well now with with those those videos and with the seminars, but also by using uh, new ways of, of marketing, like influencer marketing. They even do that. Um, that's why I I said Joint Warfare Center already. There's a, a Norwegian uh, officer from the Navy and um, good-looking officer, and they use that guy as as the promoter. Um, of NATO as end of Joint Warfare Center. And I think that's very smart. He has a great large following on uh, on social media. He works for the Navy, I guess it is. Um, I will put in the show notes, because that's the handy thing of, uh, of making this podcast. I will put in the show notes his Instagram. Um, he has a great following. So he's also able to influence the young generation about uh, not 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 yeah influence to a certain extent to inform them what NATO is what we do and that is that it is important which also is a way of um, of uh, yeah of recruiting new people recruiting new people of course and and that's where I really see that's NATO is doing uh, is doing very um, yeah, that's, um, is doing very well yes yeah I, I think one of the good points you really um, brought up was this idea that. NATO has to kind of they're they're tasked with promoting why they're important given that we're not actively engaged in a conflict or a standoff or some sort of armistice we are we are we are post cold war and i think anyone and you meet many people who've been involved in the in the cold war and it's very clear to them why NATO is important it's very it's not lost on them but that generation is starting to become lesser and lesser as every year uh, begins to pass and so somebody who's not familiar with the the importance the relevance the historical context of why nato still exists in the current capacity that might be lost on them and i, I definitely agree that nato has done um, as a whole a much better job of showing this is why we exist this is why it's important to have this alliance the 
But coming back to that, that's also because they use the new the new media. Uh, back in the days, uh, like 30 years ago, if you want to become a part of the of the the armed forces, you filled in the form that you found in the newspaper. Yeah, that's not how you do it anymore. And I think really NATO is adapting to that new media very well. Um, you can you can discuss or doubt a little bit whether it was uh, whether they did it on an early stage or are they a little bit late. But um, yeah, maybe eh? maybe they're late to the party, but they made an they made a they're there and they're doing it very well so yes the party is going on but and it's wearing a nice dress yes or a nice suit <laughs> there you go so kind of looking forward um and your own expertise what do you say i mean i think right now we're definitely in the age that we have to explore new medias like video or not new medias but we have to capitalize on medias like audio and visual and audio visual aids where do you kind of see media evolving to in say the next five to ten years especially with the emergence of a crisis like covid um, well again trends for the future yeah of course it's hard to predict the future but i already see now certain way where we're heading where and we're already in that transition eh? like i said like you already mentioned uh, increasing video and audio contact i think that continues to evolve um, digital seminars as well podcasts as well um, i think that that video games will also play a a larger role in the future maybe not for us like a center of excellence but to get younger the younger generation uh, interested into the military yeah why not if it, if, it, if it works let's do it um, i also see a shift uh, in the future even more um, what i what i mentioned before uh, five years ago it was all office 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 we in the netherlands also we have many offices that are now during COVID times are empty and the contract the rental contracts are not renewed because working from home works not for all uh, companies not for all military uh, of course not military assets but for some companies it works so i see there a shift more and more uh, what maybe starts at uh, 80% working from home, 20% digital, that might shift to 50-50, 80-20. I, I know a couple of companies who work fully dispersed. Um, of course, it depends on the work you do, but I think we're shifting more and more towards that. I also see a shift in uh, education and training, uh, like NATO right now. Um, I know they're listening. Uh, NATO School Obermerkau, um was always focused um, until a couple of years ago on going to Obermerkau, being there for one or two weeks, learning a lot, and then take that information back to your, um, to your own country. Um, I really like it. I like Obermerkau. It's a beautiful area in the mountains. Um, but is yes, but is that always necessary? Um, uh, at the beginning of the year, I, uh, before COVID, really before COVID, I still remember us sitting in Oberamaco. I went on a course for e-learning. And on the television, there was the, the news that COVID was entering Italy and we have to watch out. Well, now we know what happened. Um, that e-learning is becoming more and more, uh, more and more important. Um, right now at the center, I'm the one that that's that's together with with a team, which I I they're, they're my fallback. They're they're amazing. Um, that we make those products. Um, I think that is that is continuing to evolve. That ENT becomes more and more important. There will be a shift again going from fiscal to digital. Um, but you need the persons 
you need the guys and the persons to make it. But I have to say, technology is goes tr- pretty fast. Um, that even making those technical things uh, is in the future not not hard anymore. Drag and drop. It will be easy to do, like a podcast. Until a couple of years ago, you needed a full studio with an audio engineer, etc., etc. Now we have two microphones and a laptop, and it works. Um, I also see a shift more towards uh, personalization um, of things. Um, like a year ago, it was the center of excellence is saying this and this and this. Now I really try to sell the center of excellence that there are people working at the center of excellence. You introduce yourself. I'm Adrian Ganilo. I work for the Center of Excellence. That's it. I'm Max and I work for the Center of Excellence. I'm Max from the Center of Excellence. Um, I think that personal focus on personalization is becoming more and more important. Uh, coming back to Joint Wireless Center, influencer marketing will increase, but I don't think it's necessary for COEs. Um, some sort of ambassadorship marketing, maybe, but I don't really, uh, really see that. But what I see uh, mainly is the shift from less tax more snappy conclusions. In the academic world, um, you're an academic as well, uh, do you always write the whole thesis or article or is it sometimes nicer to read the shortened article into a ju- in a journal or something where you have the snappy conclusions? I think that's what we are more focusing to. Customers, they don't want big text, they want snappy conclusions with experience as well. And that's what I think where we're heading, um, not only within the military, but also a little bit outside of, not only outside of the military, but also within the military. So, I mean, yeah, I think just kind of getting to that last example you brought up, um, especially as it pertains to large texts or large instructions, most of that is, it's a nice to have. It's nice to have access to this instruction that allows you to do something. But most of the time, just knowing that one single part isn't enough for most organizations, it's it's counterintuitive, it's counterproductive to memorize and to keep on hand that entire thing, unless you need it for some sort of inspection. But it, it's nice to have a kind of the quote unquote sparks notes versions where this is actually what it's saying. And I think um, at least media like this, it allows us to take many of the things that we have talked about over the course of the last 10 plus years and to condense them down to 45 minutes of this is what we're actually saying. Yes. <laughs> Now, kind of looking at like how that evolution, I'm interested to see, because um, I know you do rely a lot on our feedback from our audience. What kind of feedback have you been receiving, especially now that we have been transitioning to, you know, with the webinar, with this podcast, with video? What kind of feedback have you been receiving from that audience, our target audience? Let's start with the good and then with the bad. Uh, the good thing is, is um, what I um, the feedback that I received is that indeed it is snappy, uh, it is new, and that it it works for them because it's less text and 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 snappier. It they like watching it. It's better than than reading, reading, reading. Of course, uh, the main output for the center stays in a, a written article, quite lengthy, but. Having a short summary or some summary can be a teaser for the real deal. 
Okay, another uh, positive uh, thing that we we heard uh, a lot is that uh, because we're looking at this rather professional with the, with the team, uh, I hear quite often that um, how big is the center of excellence actually? Well, actually, the C2, although C2 is 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 the C2 center of excellence is relatively small, um, we have momentum, and most of the time they think we're. A big group of people. Yes, of course, we have a lot of uh, uh, FTE uh, positions uh, open at the moment, but for the outside, it doesn't feel like that. So, with very limited people, we reach a lot of of of, of momentum and a we're seeable. Or how do you say that? Can you help me? Because I'm not a, a native uh, speaker. <laughs> not a problem. We're, we're visible, but I mean, it sounds it sounds like what you're saying is the. Uh Usage of technology and usage of mediums like this allows us to get past our our Manning shortfalls. Yeah, and of course, because within our world, no, nobody uh, it is relatively new. And as you know, everybody is a little kid from the inside. If something is new, you want to try it. Um, and because it's so 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 easy accessible, people are willing to listen to it, although they've never heard maybe of the C two CUE and. Then my goal was reached. Now they know about the C2CUE and maybe they want to cooperate with us or want to become even a member of the C2CUE. So if there's a listener inside uh, um, among us uh, who is not from one of uh, the member nations already and you really like C2 and you really like what we're doing and where we're going to also with this podcast, feel free to contact us. Um, coming back to the, the negative things, um, the last especially the last half a year, we really focused on that new ways of media. Um, and by using that new ways of media, you also, and the fact that we're small, you're, it, although not much, it takes time away from the staff officer that normally have to write uh, articles and publications. And within NATO, that's still the main output towards the uh, the. Uh, yeah, towards our clients to say it like that. It's our main output um, because it's official. It can be, it, yeah, it's official. Um, and that's it. Yes, it's cool what you're doing with the, the new stuff, but keep track on your main focus, which is written. So again, that new media, it will never take over the old one of, of the written articles, but it will always enhance it. It will always be additional to it. Um, at least for now, so yeah, that's what we got back. Uh, what what we got back. But I'm happy that uh, the people who are now listening to this already made that transition a little bit. So uh, I hope they're on my side. <laughs> so would would you say though that the main measure of success though is the the production of of articles, actual physical media, instead of things like the podcast? It's hard to measure, measure success in this uh, in this case, of course. Um, measure measuring success that we can fill a podcast with that on on how 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 we measure success. Um, there are a lot of metrics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I would like to say for now is that um, it helps reaching the goal of of being a successful center of excellence. Um, helping out our customers, our countries with C2 related questions. Um, and I think we're doing that great. How we reach that, so that's, we want to answer things. How we reach that, yeah, that can be done written. But it can also be done by podcast. As long as the goal is reached, 
That's our main goal. And for my personal, for my uh, for my goal, personal goal for my job is is uh, getting momentum for the sense for the center, uh, making it visible. So yes, this podcast already and the fact that we have listeners um, is a success from my end. Um, but of course, the metrics must show will it reach its goal. Yeah, I cannot say anything about it right now, but we are keeping track on that. Yes. <laughs> I stay uh, I stay politically correct, I know, but uh, I cannot I cannot say more because then I what we started uh, said in the beginning then becomes uh, about uh, classification. That's classified. <laughs> no. No, that, that it definitely makes a lot of sense. So kind of wrapping it all up, I think this is kind of the simplest question I can ask and but I think it's the most prudent is why a podcast? There, there are all these medias out there. Why this one? Yeah, well, it started, of course, um, because we discussed it. It started, of course, with Adrian, do you like listening to podcasts? Do you get information to that? And you said, yes, I listen to podcasts. Um, that's where it all started. Um, do you we like to do it and can we do it? Yes. Then we started to look, um, is our audience ready for having a podcast like this um, because the goal of podcasting podcasting allows brands and we are a brand to communicate uh, to an audience um, whose lifestyle is, is more and more on the go uh, because uh, I have to drive almost one and a half hour to come here so yeah working from home is quite handy for me um, but in the car I listen to podcasts and I'm not always having the time to read stuff but listening to a podcast you can also do that besides your normal work especially if it's easy to listen and i hope that we reach that with this uh, with this podcast so that's another point um it is rather easy to produce because yeah uh, yesterday i said adrian i'm ready for the podcast and look now we are uh, recording um instead of uh, adrian uh, do you have half a year for me do we have half a year to write a uh, full-on study is, and uh, podcasts are like written official content. Uh, they provide a way to connect with your audience uh, authentically. Coming back to that personalization, they hear my voice now. At the webinar, they see my face. We give the center a face, and I think that is important. Uh, it gives us the opportunity to, to inform, to entertain, and to convince. But it also builds, builds up trust and awareness by, by making it personal. So, yeah, and, and what I said, knowing that, that uh, a lot of Americans, but also worldwide, it's getting more and more, 70% is familiar to podcasts. You cannot deny that there is a market also within the military. And as the military is the, the demography of, of, uh, the, the, of the army, the air force, the military uh, as a whole is young. So you can't deny that. Under, sold, under soldiers and from soldiers to general, there are podcast listeners. We must jump, well, we must, we should jump on that, that bandwagon. And for what I see right now, we're one of the first. Um, and I think we will definitely not be the last. Well, Max, I think you've said it all today. Um, this has been at least kind of a peek behind the curtain for a lot of people who might be wondering why is the center of excellence producing content in this matter? I think it's very eye-opening, and I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule to shed some more light on something that 
might not always be clear to people. So again, thank you, Max. No, you're welcome, Adrian. And I have to say now the hardest part comes, which is uh, with the other podcast, we uh, sent the podcast out for peer review uh, and listening to yourself is horrible. But uh, now I have to even edit myself and uh, (laughs) not looking forward to it. But Adrian, thank you. And uh, I'm wishing you a great day. And for our listeners at home, for more content like this, you can visit us at the c2coe.org or you can find this podcast on wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Google, Spotify, or Apple. Mm-hmm.